Hey girl, welcome to the Red Receipts Podcast. Where we read, annotate, and discuss your favorite books. Are you recording? Because we're bringing the receipts. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the very first episode of The Red Receipts. We are so excited to be officially sitting down and recording this. My name is Katie. My name is Jacqueline. And I'm Devin. And a quick rundown about what our podcast is... Basically, three girls, one book. We all pass it around and annotate it. And then we come on the podcast and talk to you about it. And at the end, we give it away to a listener. Now, technically, this is our first episode, but we did a couple bonus episodes covering House of Sky and Breath. So if you have read that book and you haven't listened yet, you should definitely go back, take a listen, and then come back and meet us here. Today is a very special day. Not only is it our first episode... But we are talking about King of Battle and Blood, KBB, if you will, <laughs> by Scarlett St. Clair. Truly, Dear. KBB is the way I'll refer to it from here on out. That's all I, that's all it is. I have, I have called this book many a names. <laughs> um, n- never its actual name, but KBB is the best right? way to, best way to call this book. Mm-hmm. I have to ask you guys, like, when was the last time you guys read a book about vampires? Because for me, (laughs) I'm thinking like Twilight (laughs) was the last time. (laughs) I'll be honest. I guess technically from Blood and Ash was the last, but I don't like when you say vampire book, I am taken back to like a very specific, it's the Twilight time, but like I read Vampire Academy, Vampire Diaries, like it was a phase. Um, So yeah, it's been a minute since I like, and even from Blood and Ash, while it, there are vampires, I don't feel like I categorize it as such. Yeah, mine would be from Blood and Ash as well. And um, a confession, I've never read Twilight or Vampire Diaries or anything. <laughs> yeah, I know, no. I know, I know. So, yeah, I don't have a, like a very well um, scope of vampire books. So this was like really diving in for me. Wait, you've. Ne- I just need to backtrack here for a second. You've literally never read Twilight. No, never. I didn't really know what it was about until like the third movie was out, and everyone was obsessed with it. So I pretended to be obsessed with it, and I went. I was like, "Oh my god, the premiere!" And I like went to the movie theaters with my friends. Um, but I was straight up lying. No idea. They were like, "What <gasps> team?" Edward Jacob. I was like, "Jacob <gasps> all the way." <laughs> no idea. <laughs> And no see, that's idea. where you went wrong. That's where she went wrong. Even though I have to say. I stand by that still. Now that I know. You haven't read the books. You haven't read the books. So you I don't will know. say, I do remember going to, I think it was like the very last one, if not the last one, the very la- second to last movie. And that was like very Team Jacob. And I went to like a drive-in movie, okay, with my friends. So we were seeing on this like ginormous screen, all these cars around us. And... That was the iconic scene of Jacob taking off his shirt for the first time. And literally my car, which was full of like five other girls, was just quaking, just (laughs) shaking back and forth. And I just remember myself personally screaming bloody murder at the drive-in theater. Like I was like, oh my God, I am am unwell. I am unwell. I am unwell. But to this day, team Edward, baby, team Edward. Yeah, I would would say that I... 
it was, I'm glad I had that experience. Actually, unlike you, Devin, I didn't, I lied that I did read it. Like I didn't tell people they didn't know. It was very, um, some people had this experience where it wasn't cool. And so I lied and went, I went with to a couple of premieres and premieres were really fun, but they were also really annoying because the screaming at every moment, like any character, like the, I know exactly what you're talking about, Katie, if Taylor Lautner took, took his shirt off, like I was literally just the person that was like, shh, <laughs> and and like I so it was not the like I had a good time for the the vibes but yeah um I was there to actually like watch the movie <laughs> so it was hard for me it was hard for me but yeah I actually that's really funny I actually read the first Twilight book in one sitting at a Barnes and Noble waiting for my mom to get off work Cute. so I binged <laughs> that first Aww. book and I picked it up because there was an apple I didn't understand like why was why would I was very much a questionary, like, why is there someone holding an apple on this cover? And I had no idea it was vampire. And then, basically, that's where it started for me and vampires. For sure. So I like it. Yeah, I no, like I definitely it. read Blood from Blood and Ash. But, I don't know. That doesn't seem very... I mean, obviously, there are vampires in it. Vampire, as you will. Yeah, side it's very side plot. Me. And the one that, like, definitely comes to mind is Twilight. It's so iconic. So, and I've definitely consumed a ton of TV shows, a ton of movies about vampires, but like actually consuming and reading them. Like, I feel like this is the first one that I've really connected with and loved and we'll get into that. So King of Battle and Blood. If you have yet to read this book yet, definitely recommend pausing here because the following discussion will include major spoilers from this book. If you have yet to read, we recommend again, pausing here read, and come back to join the conversation when you have. Spoiler, spoiler. Followed by spoilers. You know that, you know, you know them. So, where to begin? Where to begin? Where to begin? I guess at the beginning, right? (laughs) Chapter one. Here we go. (laughs) Chapter by chapter. (laughs) If you didn't know, this is going to be a complete retelling of King of Blood. (laughs) (laughs) Where we are going to reenact all the scenes. Um, but you won't see us. You'll just have to believe that, that, which actually, given the nature of this book, that would be very wrong. And we will not, I take it back. We will, none of that's going to happen. But we are going to talk about them. We voice actors, and we were going to do that, I guess. I mean, we have my neighbors giving their <laughs> sound effects uh, in the background. <laughs> yeah, if at any point you think we are acting it out, it's not us. It's uh, Devin's neighbors that's on just the other me. side of her wall. Apartment life. <laughs> Our microphones are that good, guys. We have picked up a lot of things we didn't need to hear. High quality. Okay. So starting chapter one, we are introduced to Isolde, which is our MC, our main character. And I just need to talk about her because to me, she is this fierce, strong, I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T, yeah, you know what I mean, woman. And I need to know, what were your first thoughts on his old? I I immediately liked her, which meant I'm going to pretty soon, once she hits her first, like, conflict, I'm going to hate her immediately. That's usually how it goes. Like, I'm like, ooh, she's bringing that energy that I like. Um, and she's only going to get in her way. Like, I was like, she is so strong-headed and strong-willed. And I love it until I'm not going to, which is what definitely happened. But I still support... I don't think she, I like a good, strong main character. I like actual strength in them. I like that she's got skills. I like her. 
I did like her. There was points where I was like hesitant, I think, because I just I think we're going to get to that later um, about how she loved a knife. Um, but then I grew to like, I loved it at the end. Yeah. No, I, I definitely started off really loving her. Of course, like when we we're first introduced to her, we're immediately met with the things that she does not like, a.k.a. a mediocre lover, a.k.a. Commander Killian. <laughs> it's like page three. We we're already like, oh, OK, this woman loves good sex. And if it's not good, then goodbye. Like true. I was like, oh, she called them out fast. Ah, so I have a tidbit of real life information to add to the character of Commander Killian. When I read Mediocre Lover, I was like, that sounds a lot like an ex. And it is, in fact, based off of uh, Scarlett St. Clair's ex-husband, which I think many of us would say our ex might be a mediocre lover. And yeah, it gives off ex-husband vibes five sure. Like, I definitely agree with that. I love that. But, like, honestly, how cool to be able to, like, drag your ex in a book. I, and I think I, like, while I'm not an author, I, I can think, I can find my ex in Little Bits in Tamlin. I think I've probably dated a Lucian. Um, maybe a Lorcan, um, except for, like, he was, like, not ready for me. I was not his lead. Like, he was not ripping up his shirt to make me sanitary napkins by any chance. <laughs> Like I was not, I was not a lead for to his Lorcan, but I tried to fix them and it didn't work. But I love this concept of just like from the get, Killian is trash. And the fact that so many fans right off the bat absolutely hate him. So now she has an army of just readers behind him who fucking hate Killian. Yeah, and he's a mediocre lover. Need need you say more? Nothing. Nothing more is needed to be said. So. Say less. Say freaking less. But need we say more? Need we say more? Because we immediately, like, okay, we get through this entire introduction to his old. We get through Killian. We're like, okay, Killian, we'd rather kill you off. And then we're immediately met with Adrian, who... uh, There's so much to say here. But, again, tell me, first thoughts, Adrian, go. I think there was no question that that was the main entrance, but like the main like love interest before we knew literally anything like he came on the scene and I go, well, this is it. Um, So he has a presence before he even opens his mouth. And then I don't he just like it's gold every like I don't know if he had a bad line in this book. I honestly don't think he (laughs) (laughs) does. What was like I think you like one of his first lines was the I am many things man monster lover. And I was like. Did you, is this your hinge profile? Did I just like swipe? (laughs) Yes. Like I was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I could not have swiped faster. Man, monster lover. Okay. Yeah. Checking all boxes. Thank you. Yeah. He came in strong. He came in hot. I was here for it. Okay. Remind me like, how did, how did he get to tasting her blood? Like, I just, I'm going to say that we all read this book, right? But technically, let's talk about the order in which we were annotating. I got this book first, so it's been a, a little bit longer for me. And I wrote my annotations. And then Devin had it next. And then it was you, Katie. You have, that's why you're kind of leading the discussion. You have the most fresh mindset. So as a girl who sometimes reads the books and then blacks out, um, <laughs> remind me, how did we get to the part where he is actually tasting her blood? Fresh in the brain. 
let me explain this to you. <laughs> so Isolde is fighting the Striga. The Striga, I believe, like scratches her arm or comes to fight back at her. So she is wounded. She is wounded by the Striga. And then she kills the Striga. And that's where Adrian pops in on the scene. He's like, Oof, I'm a man. I'm a monster. I'm a lover. And then Isolde's like, hmm, am I literally going to be kissed by this man or is he going to break my neck? Like, I'm not sure. Are we going to fight? Or are we going to fuck right now? Like, I'm, I'm not sure. And she's wounded. So Adrian, being just the vampire that he is, licks her wound, heals her. And he's like, mm, tastes like homecoming. And I, at that point, RIP'd myself. <laughs> I... Yeah, he literally actually, you know what? That's what's like the the whole like vampire um thing is like the like there's like all these sexual things and then blood just like has it just keeps coming in to every it's been a while since I've been in deep in fantasy and not a lot of vampires and I forget how important blood is in these stories. And it is very important in this story. It's literally all coming back to me now. Um, after you said she was wounded, now I remember her staggering up the stairs, um, and then pleasuring herself against the door as her maid was on the other side. And that's when you know he's, he's in it for the long run. He's not going anywhere. Like, what was, like, chapter three or something? Like, that was the beginning of the story. I was like, okay, this is not YA. Like, we're going for it. These chapters were so short. I feel like that was still in chapter... Or, I'm sorry, these chapters were so still long. chapter one. <laughs> that was still in chapter one, where she was like, oh my god, this man is so hot. And literally, she's, like, pleasuring herself. And then her maid is like, it's all, let me in. It's all, let me in. And she's like, no, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> Honestly, though, I was like, yeah, maid, give her a minute. Like, huh. yeah. like I mean, she's, she sounds busy. Like, calm down. Okay, again, maybe it's for me and the readers. So... So then when we meet Adrian is when, because actually this is like, they're, they, what are they, on the front? Adrian's on the front and he's coming there to meet her dad. Like, how do we get to that? Like, oh, fuck, that's him. Yeah. So at this point, when they're still in the forest, he does not reveal who he is. We as a reader are like, oh, we immediately know. But his old has no idea, right? What we do know up until this point is that um, all of the territories, the nine territories that there are, are being conquered by this blood king. And so we're like, oh, this blood king, he's really bad, really bad. And then we meet this quote unquote guy who's like licking his old and we're like, mm, maybe he's not so bad. And then <laughs> we officially know that he's Adrian when the, quote, Blood King comes to have a discussion with Isolde's father, who is the king of Lara. Um, and at that time, he tells King Henry, I believe his name, Henry, yes. Uh, he's like, hey, I want Isolde to be my wife. And everyone is like, <gasps> what? And then Isolde was like, okay, well, if it'll save my people, I'll marry you. So technically, we're we're confronted with a marriage of convenience trope. I think this is a good time to pull up some receipts. Mm -hmm. So at this point, after chapter three, we are all on the same page of this is not a marriage of convenience. Like we as readers know something is up. So 
to pull the receipts, as you said, Jacqueline. Jacqueline being the first person who wrote this, read this, she wrote, so I'm going to guess this is not a marriage of convenience, but that he is definitely in love with her, dot, dot, dot. Devin then wrote, agree, but also think he tasted something in his blood, in her blood. I, Katie, then wrote, maybe not love yet, but there is a reason. Like this, quote, taste of her blood is a reason he knows why she must be queen. So to me, at this point, I was like, oh, she has something in her blood that is telling Adrian that she has to be queen. And that was my, that's all I had to go <laughs> off of. <laughs> I was like, Something's up here. Something's up with this blood. I think that's the whole vibe of the book. Yeah. Something is up. Let's just keep, let's just see where this goes. Like, we it, there were lots of fun hints. I enjoyed this a lot. There were a lot of theories going on in the annotations in this one. Be like, maybe this, maybe that. I like that. I know some people like like a little less foreshadowing. Um, I I really enjoy foreshadowing and hints, and and that's that's just a personal preference. So I will say the one thing that we were not okay with, non agreements with, was Adrian, blonde versus brunette. So when we meet Adrian and we get his description and it's blonde, I immediately put a scale from one to 10, like how disappointed are you that he's blonde? And I thought I was pretty disappointed because I like was like six ish, seven ish. Um, And then I just at that point was like, I'm just going to keep picturing him with their care, which is what I did. And that's nothing against the author. You can make them blonde, but I'll just do what I like to do. And that is recast him. Um, but then I, I did enjoy now again, I'm re I finally, now that we all come together, get to see what your guys' responses were. So this is fun. Um, Devin said someone get the die and she was definitely on an eight or nine. Um, Katie was closer to 10 and she literally blacked out and forgot that he I did. I literally blacked out. I forgot. And this is coming from like a Draco fanfic stand. Like I do love, I love a blonde man. But something about a vampire brunette that the way he, he had to be brown hair. I think the whole time I imagined him brunette. And when the second book comes out, I will imagine him brunette. Um, but I'm now OK with him being blonde. He's not going to change my mind because he's he's set. Um, but I kind of like that um, I sold is the dark haired kind of morally gray character and he's blonde still morally gray but he's just blonde so i like the little twist maybe i'll just give him some highlights in my head but he's still brunette <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so after isold and adrian are betrothed she's like mm-mm I need to settle some things with this man. So she marches into her camp that night of him asking to wed Isolde. And we are immediately introduced to literally probably my favorite characters. And the fact that we get so little of them is criminal at this point because I am obsessed with them. And that is Soren, Isaac, and Mia. I have a whole book about like they are giving me vibes of like six of crows 
Like, I just love, I 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 love it. And, like, the the whole part of, like, fuck, she stabbed me. And then, like, later it's, like, it's the queen, the one that stabbed me. I'm, like, oh, I just love those so freaking much. I like Soren a lot, but I'm not going to lie. I forgot who the other ones were. I'm bad with side characters. I need I need to know a little like are their parents dead? Um do they have a lover? Like I need I need like I need like the I need a little bit to remember who's who. Otherwise, I just kind of just put them in this box that's like we'll open that later. So the only one who like stood out and I'm a little further away was definitely Soren. I like him. I love when the like the main guy has best friends who are a bit more playful, like a bit more loose, and the the main guy's like very serious, but he surrounds himself with like such a great group of friends. But you know, like his heart's like big, and like he has to have this um like powerful like ego and like mask that he puts on. But like his true heart, like he's just one of the guys. He just hangs out. He like he's fine. You get to know so much about a character on their, like, inner circle. This is, like, that found family trope, sort of. And, uh, I mean, every time we meet, it's it's do you like them or do you not? And that, that says a lot about are you going to like their main character, so. Love it. Love to see it. So, we definitely get some really good banter between uh, Isolde and Adrian. Uh, they're very much enemies brewing, right, during this time. But then we are shipping off. To Revka, okay? Isolde is about to become queen of Revka. Um, and at this time, we are literally like 100 pages in of this book. And we are literally all like trying to piece together. If Adrian, who we are Saul, slowly like swooning over him at this point, who the heck is public enemy number one? Like who is the enemy? If it's not Adrian and his gang of vampires, because we all have his gang of vampires, who the heck is public enemy number one? And I don't think any of us had any clue at this point whose was. Correct me if I'm wrong. No. I was like, where is this plot going? Like, I know we need something bad to happen. Um, And later on, I was like, oh, it's the people of Laura. Because I ended up hating them. I was like, her people kind of suck. But at this point, I was just like, no idea. Like, what's happening right now? I could tell she was about to get a reckoning like in terms of like her world was it's that very much like you're leaving home for the first time and a journey usually is metaphorical and literal so I was like oh we're traveling and like this is in a lot of our favorite books as soon as our girl gets on the road she's like oh the life I knew (laughs) which again why we should all travel right like (laughs) get out a little bit there's so much world more to the world than you know. And quickly, Isolde realizes this because she's literally attacked by her own people. And she is still out here trying to defend them. And I'm like, girly, please. You need to stop. They The first thing, okay, the first thing they attack is the carriage, which she was supposed to be in. And there was this whole moment of her telling Adrian, no, I'm going to ride on a horse. I'm not going to ride on the carriage because carriages are the first thing to be attacked. Yeah, because the person who is most important is going going to be in the carriage. And that's the first thing they attack. I'm like, girly, they don't care about you. They don't they want you. What, like two days, three days to kill him? And they're like, oh, you didn't do it yet. Like, let's attack. One, One night. night. I'm like, I feel like they should have given her maybe like a little more time. Like, maybe she has a plan. Maybe she is royalty and like 
has a system and she's going about it like the right way. But they're like, no, didn't kill him. He's still alive. We're going to kill you too. Like, what? Was that, was that not like the moment that you're like, oh, okay. This is the, she's, she's with the wrong peeps. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I saw it a little bit and I was actually glad to see it. Cause I, I do love a misunderstood. Mm -hmm. Um, and I kind of knew the more she found out about Adrian, he was going to be not as morally gray as we thought he, you know, I like the way he goes about getting things done. But yeah, as soon as her own people attacked her, I was like, well, the rest of this book is literally going to be a lot of realizing where you came from might not be worth killing Adrian over. Which leads me to our very first smut scene in a Lord have mercy. Oh my God. The three of us were honestly unwell by the end of this one. (laughs) Per the annotations. Like, let me just... We'll yeah. go back, but circle back. But let me just read the I'll just for the audience here. I will read in case you don't remember the very last line of this chapter or a scene of smut was Adrian saying, "Sing for me, Sparrow." In which Isolde's response was, "I sang for him. I cried for him. I screamed for him." And again, unwell. So Chocolate said. I am also screaming, crying, and throwing up. Devin said, I'm speechless. Da, da, da. This is too much and not enough. And I said, I am paralyzed because I quite literally was paralyzed. Um, I, so while I said, like, I think I had to put like the ah because I was on a plane and I was reading this next to like an 80 year old man. And I was internally freaking out. Like, I was like, oh, my God. And meanwhile, like, like you know, you guys have read Smut in public where you're like, okay, if he looks over on this page right now, he's going to have a lot of thoughts about me. And I'm not ready for a stranger to know this about me. So, like, I was kind of trying to be discreet but also annotate. So, like, my annotations were probably intense because I had a lot of feelings. And I it was I could not – I could – I honestly – that was like that moment. Where, like this is the closest I get to the Mile High Club, guys. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> Reading on a plane is so awkward because you have such limited space, and I always, I always feel like the person next to me is like looking over, looking at what I'm reading. And I could be totally internalizing that, and they could totally not give a fuck what I'm reading. But like, I always feel like they're like, but, but do you not read? But if I'm not reading, I mean, sometimes. <laughs> Because maybe usually they're not. They're usually reading something very, like, very, like, good for the soul, you know? And I'm like, please let it be smart. It's not usually, but the one day it will be. I, this weekend, the guy sitting next to me was reading smut. <gasps> yeah. This is the first time. You are lying. No, no, no. And he is you are lying. old. Like, old, old. Like, set, like, like a cute little grandpa who I would love to get a tea and biscuit with. Like, um, tucked in pants, little glasses, had his Kindle out. I'm like, oh, like, what is he reading? Smut. Now that we're all thoroughly turned on, um, <laughs> the author, the author was like, let's, let's immediately turn them off. And um, get to uh, what Katie so lovingly put in her notes as the horror film we did not ask for. And I agree. I did not ask for this. I did not realize I was picking up a horror novel. Like, I, 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 
was truly like quaking in my boots. Like I'm not even joking. Like this next part. So essentially on this track, this Oregon Trail to Revka, if you will. Okay. They stumble upon this village that is old, sees through the cracks of the, of the gate. And she's like seeing, and she's like, oh my God, these people are dead. And not only they dead, but they're skinned alive. Okay. And that's just part, that's just part of this horror film that we are just in, involuntarily inducing ourselves in because after we get through the gates and honestly, at this time, Adrian is like so beautiful and so kind. And he's like, you don't have to look, make sure you're not looking like the fact that the bar is so low, but he's like, you don't have to look at these skinned alive people. And we're like, oh my God. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm that's a problem. That's a problem we'll unpack on a later date, okay? <laughs> I just want to say, I just want to say, if you are reading books and you're putting the bar higher than that, mm-hmm. like, lower it. You'll have such a good time if you just are like, I have zero expectations, and then you go in. Trust me, guys, like, just lower the bar. That's all I'm saying. Lower the bar, and you'll just be, like, you'll just be, like, in love for whatever reason. Like you said, don't look at those skin bodies. You can't raise, you can't lower the bar in real life. So just lower it in the fiction life and you'll be fine. Oh, my God. Um, I agree to disagree. But while in this one stance, I was lowering the bar apparently way freaking low. Because I was like, he's telling me not to look. I'm in love with this man. <laughs> Anyways. And then we get to this scene. Where she thinks she sees a ginger-haired woman. And at first, I'm already like, I'm traumatized. This is a ghost. I don't want anything to do with it. And then we literally see a child who basically lures her into a corner and then comes out as a demon. And at that point, I literally had to close my book. And I'm not... I knew the minute there was a child involved, I was like, oh, girl... Don't, don't save the children. In this case, the children are not to be saved. You just stab them right away. No one will know. You're not, you're no one's scenario. It's fine. Adrian would forgive her. He'd be fine. He'd probably be turned on. (laughs) Oh, immediately. Literally right after we get through this, right? We finally end up in the Red Palace. Isolde is dressed to the nines. She's looking like a true freaking blood queen. Like, I need to see the fan art of this ASAP. If you have it, send it, DM it to me. Like, I need to see it right now. Because the way she was dressed for this, like, first coming of age, if you will, of the blood queen was iconic. Anyways, we end up in the banquet hall and we get our first beheading. And this is, and I say first, because this is the first and it's definitely... (laughs) Not the Before the beheading, though. Okay, so there was like a really... Uh, okay, so there's like a multiple... Like, there's several things that happen right here. First, we have creepy dude. Doesn't matter who he is. Won't leave her alone. She stabs him, right? And then we get a moment where he returns... Adrian being he returns her... Cleans it off. Wipes it off. Cleans her... And gives it back to her. I was, I was there. I like was still in that moment before like three seconds later. I don't even, I had to reread that part. Did you guys, did you guys see the beheading? Like I had to read that twice to be like, wait, someone's head just got chopped off. I think I wrote in the book that I read that three times, not because disbelief, but just enjoyment. It was so fast. Not even that it was so fast, but it was just like so 
epic and like you were like yeah i am i into this <laughs> like, yeah. what's going on started with like the return the wiping of the knife and then like i didn't even have a moment to recover from like oh he didn't like get all hey don't be stabbing my people he was like you probably had the right here's your knife back woman also because you forgot to take his head off let me just really quick <laughs> and like i don't know what it says about us but like literally the scene before dead people skinned alive for like oh my god terrible disgusting like why are we like why are we reading this um and then next chapter head get cuts off i'm like oh i want to have sex with this man (laughs) i was i literally read that scene like three times also the banter between them when they were dancing and like when she danced with the librarian for like that whole scene was everything i could ask for everything i hold on i need to interject we're gonna so we talk about not knowing like side characters, Lothian, however you say his name. Um, okay, did you just serve me a hot, witty librarian? And and first of all, we did note that like the reason there's a library is Adrian put the librarian, which I was like, naturally, naturally. That was like, but not only did he, he had a library, but he equipped it with a hot, witty librarian. And honestly, if I don't get more Lothian in the next book, uh, I will write it. And isn't he, the librarian's dating, like, um, a historian or... Yes, at a later date, Rakat just going ham in the stacks. On the clock. Like, this guy has no shame. And Izzled was like, I'm just gonna go downstairs and check out these books for a second. (laughs) (laughs) What's in the nonfiction section? I'll be back. (laughs) I like a sprinkling of a um, side character like that. I was... um, I actually sat on a live with the author that I was like, no one answered my question, unfortunately, because I think I was the only one that was like, can I, can I, <clears throat> uh, Lothian, Lothian, I need to know, is he coming? Is there more? Can I have more? More, please. And people went on to more important questions, I'm sure, but like, I made my, I made my, um, my needs and wants clear, so. Scarlett, I will send you an email if um, we don't get, like, at least more, like, a story behind his love. Like, I want more of his love story. I would assume that we get more because Isol needs to figure out more about her past, right? And the answers to her past are definitely in this library. And who is in the mm-hmm. library but Lothian? So, mm, he might get caught in the stocks again. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here for it. Someone mentioned... Because he was, like, new with the boyfriend. Like, it was a new pairing, I think they are called. Yes. Someone mentioned, I'd like to know about this pairing. Um, and then maybe, like, a Tinder vibe was brought up. I don't know if I did it, said that or if Jacqueline said that. I think it was Jacqueline. I hope that I said that. <laughs> I think you said that. Because <laughs> I was just imagining, like, people, like, pairing up with, like, their vampire, like, little mates. But, like, through Tinder. And be like, what, what blood type are you? Like, AB positive? Oh, I'm about that. Like, yeah. Can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) The pairings, it was mentioned a lot. Like, pairing and, like, yeah, like, you know, having, yeah. So, one, if you get this copy of this book and it's not in my color or handwriting, you didn't see that. It was me. I made this joke. She stole our pens and she (laughs) wrote it in there. A classic. And I wouldn't know. This is that the fun thing is, like, being told, if you're the first person... And I'm sure we'll get into this as we read our other books. Um, the whole vibe is like you start with the book and you're like freshly and you get to have all your thoughts like by yourself. And then when I got the book that was like the second one, 
it was like I had a friend there and like I had someone to like communicate with in the margins. And then now I'm on the book that there's two other people and I want to be like, everybody shut up. I have thoughts. And then you guys would have the thoughts first. And so it's a lot of like, <laughs> you're right. And I was like, oh, so the, there's a, a whole different vibe. And the, the third one, I'm enjoying every time I find something funny and it's not already been said. I'm always like, <laughs> yes. yeah, so, I, I had so much fun being the last person because I did have a lot of thoughts that I had did not share with you guys, but then there was a lot that I did. So the parts that we were all able to, all three of us comment on was so fantastic. And then there was parts where like Devon would say something. I'd be like, D, oh my, like as if she was going to see this. I was like, D, oh my God. Blah, blah, blah. And I would like write back to her and then like say it to you. I was like, ah, J, blah, blah, blah. I would like write back to Chuck. I'm like, they're never going to see this. <laughs> I started doing like, I did a, there's a lot of, underlining adding exclamation points mm-hmm. to the thing you things you guys say like I agree but it is fun and I really hope like this is just such a like different way to annotate and read and like I think that's what makes this discussion so much yeah. more fun to hear hear like finally come together like we've all read this at different points but I think that actually kind of segues really good into like I guess what is it? The big reveal? The big main? Yeah, no, this is a great segue. So uh, reincarnation is a huge deal in this book. And the three of us came to it at very separate parts, which was crazy. And especially being Okay, so I was the third person to read this. I thought, I was like, oh, they already know. And now I'm curious to see where you're at because apparently, according to the annotations, I might have been first, but I don't know if you guys just were like, "Mm, I'm not even going to bother writing anything, right? I have two things that I have to clarify. Okay, because this is a book that I think a lot of people have said, like, there were so many breadcrumbs. How could you, like, how could you not? And I do think I have, I think, Katie, you technically called it out for what it was first. Um, I will say I did, now that I've, we're in the swing of things, I think when I first started annotating, I was afraid to ruin the book for anyone. So there was a little bit of that. And we did discuss, like, do we make predictions? And going forward, I think we do, because it's totally cool and fun, especially if we're right, especially if we're wrong. Like, there's no win or lose. But I will say, I think I agree. I think I was last, regardless of having not seen your guys' annotations. And there is one really crazy reason why I didn't see this coming. Um, this might be embarrassing to admit, but, and I don't know, we've talked, I think we've talked about this. So about like eight or 10 years ago in my brain, I made up a whole book plot. Like I had a whole, like I started with these characters and this world and I was building it. I never put any like pen to paper. I have no intention of writing this. Like it just like was something that was happening in my head. Right. And I developed it. And the problem is somehow Scarlet St. Clair, um, plagiarized my (laughs) dreams, like, she wrote the book that cause I always honestly want to be like, this girl stole my idea that I have never told anyone that I have never written down, but somehow she stole it. And which is very big of me to think. But basically I had a world built in my head that had witches and covens, a curse. Our main character was reincarnated, didn't know who she was. Our main love interest was the evil lover, enemies to lovers. She hated him, but she was attracted to him and she couldn't avoid him, but he kept pursuing her. And there was eventually a moment in my brain where she actually gets woken up and remembers her past lives. Like she has these, all these dreams of like moments and he keeps like invading him and they're at different times. I had this whole thing. And I think the reason I couldn't come to terms with that this is where this book was going. Cause I was like, there's no, 
there's no effing way. There's no fucking way that Sarah just like wrote my book. There's no way. And I mean, it's different, obviously, but like, cause I didn't have any vampires, but at the same time I was like, there's no way this is a reincarnation story. Cause that was my whole, <laughs> that was my whole shtick. And so I was in denial cause it was too similar and it freaked me out. So I didn't put that in meditations cause I don't know why anybody would want to admit that, but that's what happened to my brain. I don't even have words to describe what I am feeling. That's crazy. You and Scarlett are reincarnated from the same person is what I'm guessing. Oh my God. Oh my God. <sighs> Guys, if you're listening now, reincarnation is real. It exists. We have just proven the plot. Should we each read our annotation? Just keeping in mind that we don't know what each other's writing. <laughs> so it sounds so off. Can we please? I'll go ahead. So this is page 211. First. On 211, I say, um, is she reincarnated or something? He knows her from her past life, right? Then there is page 213, and these are both after, um, Isolde has this vision, this dream of her and Adrian in a pool, right? And she is clearly not herself. Uh, she's seeing a vision, but like she's seeing it like real time. It is her, it is obviously her through her eyes, right? That was a weird way to exclaim it, but it is through her eyes. So there's that. So that's 2.11. And then 2.13, I say, mid-book theory. They were in love. She was a witch. Knew she would come back in another life. So she turned Adrian into a vampire so they could be together again. Page 2.23, I say, reincarnation? (laughs) (laughs) So then again at page... (laughs) 2.54 2.54 before Jacqueline comes to her realization, quote unquote, we realize that witches were not created. They were born and it's in their blood. So I say confirmation is old as a witch. Uh, blood tasted like homecoming. Insert Jacqueline. Uh, yeah, me also just being like, I want to live in the world where she didn't steal my book. So I said... So ready for this reveal. Like, are they mates? Fated? Is she some long lost descendant of his first love? Also, how does everyone in Revka seem to hint at knowing there's more going on when her father was king and still clueless? So again, that everyone knows, but she doesn't know. And I said, I need to know. Also, as much as as it breaks my heart that she's pushing him away, it's ridiculous for him to assume that she'd give her heart and trust while he is keeping so much from her. He knows she is not weak and can handle any information he gives. Which I replied in saying, agree. Why are we still hiding so much from his old? It will hurt her more in the end if she finds out on her own. I am standing by the reincarnation possible born again theory. And maybe that the ginger woman is Ravina. <laughs> Let's get into Ravina. Right. She is one of the original uh, 13 coven witches of the high coven. Um, and basically, you find out that she's just truly just bad freaking news. Um, and more to come on her, right? So right after we've all discovered that okay, possible reincarnation, what the heck is up? Um, We essentially get into like these four big realizations over the next couple of chapters between chapter 15 to 17. So first and foremost, this is the craziest one. And again, this is something that all of us came to like 
a little bit at different paces, but by the end, we were all on board. And this still wasn't even confirmed by the book that is old was for sure 100% Yesenia. Yeah, the fact that she was the last to know was a little like, um, and I don't want to say it was annoying because I still like knowing things before the main, I don't mind knowing things before the main character does. Um, but at this point, I was a little like, girly, wake up. If I've already come to terms with the fact that Scarlett wrote my book, like, come on, like, get on board. I liked it though. I mean, I wasn't, I know that's like, everyone was like, yeah, it was a lot of foreshadowing for this moment. I I enjoyed it all. I liked it a lot. Like, I, I, I like being able to guess things. I like being able to guess things and then also things that are like total shock out of uh, what and now. <laughs> Major one of these like revelations was Soren being a falcon. I was like, what? That was the bigger shock. That one was a little like, wait a minute. <laughs> it was there all along. <laughs> Without with also being totally not there, but like the name in itself. The name, truly. And like <laughs> again, being the last one to read this, the amount of Soren jokes were just top notch. We're like Soren. Yeah. too much i was like oh my god it was the soren and it was like adding in the a for no reason but other than to make his name soren i was like oh my god (laughs) again back to the big revelations here the biggest one i would see was definitely this uh ravina being like again public enemy number one um again there were still a lot of unanswered questions but we were getting more about her. We're like, okay, she's definitely like evil of all evil. She's the one that she's that we are fighting, and it's not Adrian. Wasn't Ravina? Wasn't she like a sloppy witch? She wasn't good. I know she was like the king's at the time right hand witch, but she was like the most untalented all of all of them. So it's just I'm like, why? I just had a hard time adding up how she's doing this if she's like not good at witchcraft i think and i don't remember if i wrote any annotations i thought it was a little odd that she was popping up in reflections because like if you have someone who's struggling with who are they and who were they and we didn't really have like and i could be wrong but we didn't have a ton of imagery on yesenia so we didn't really know much about her yet and so to me red-haired girl was maybe yesenia slash whoever she was in a past life like i it took me a minute to be like they're two different people because it was that she's seeing someone else she's seeing through someone's eyes and so i'm like at the moment when i was like oh these are two different people when we when we found out more about the coven i was like this checks out but the little random like it was a red-headed woman i thought that was more along the lines of like visions instead of like an actual she might be actually seeing someone <laughs> who is following or like engaging with her. So I thought she was very much of a visionary or a past reflective quality until like she started showing up in like solid form. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy. But the last uh, revelation that we get through in these chapters was kind of sad. And we get more into this like further on, but in this one definitely threw me for a loop that Isolde's mother's people were enslaved by King George and that everyone essentially but he's old knew that they were slaves. The fact that he showed up to what was it the um just court maybe when he showed up to court and Adrian didn't say anything and he knew that bugged me. Not enough to fully hate Adrian because I 
understand why he did it because there's a plan and there's there's nothing you can really do right now. But the fact that he was there holding people hostage, her mom's people, and then she had no idea. So as a sub note, though, like as I guess I'm going to back Adrian up here. This is what's interesting to me. So to Adrian, she is Isolde, but she's also Yesenia, which that's not Yesenia's mom. That's Isolde's mom. So she has this layer of being like two different people, which like I think makes her character so much richer. We're going to see this like I'm still living. I've lived a life already, though, and I've lived that life with life with you. So she thinks she's going to be have some internal struggles with that. So I could see where he not maybe forgot, but kind of he doesn't look at her and see sometimes I don't know if he sees he sold the complete picture and would would realize he knows these things, but I don't know that they would be that important to him in the long run. And he's thinking way bigger picture. And all he sold is focused on is her people and then, yeah, uh, mostly, like, why didn't her dad tell her? <laughs> That's so true. Yeah, he does look at her as two different people. And, yeah, definitely a bigger picture. And I know there is one one time that he references that their time will come. King George will get what's coming to him. But, yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's viewing her as truly two different people. Because he did say, like, there's differences between the two. So it's, like, very, like, I really want in the second book her to, like, dive deeper and to be, like, what's the same and what's different? Because, like, where's that reincarnation line yes. drawn? Like, how much of yeah, Yusenia is in Isolde? There has to be some crossover, but, like, not enough where she's not her own person. Enough to where he still loves her for lifetimes, but not enough where they're... I'm sorry... The concept to me, okay, I'm not going to harp back to my book, but like thing I, <laughs> the thing I liked about my book idea was that, <laughs> so basically you think about it, if you had a character who's reincarnated, she's lived this life. And I think to me, my character would have had a problem with choosing. Like, did she get to choose Adrian? Because it's like, she lived this whole life and Adrian's just been waiting for her. And like, maybe in this new life, like, you know, I, I wonder, because she seems on board with him. Yes. But like, like. She seems like she can't understand why she's so attracted to him and she's drawn to him. And like, that's important. Yeah, she has an attraction and she loves him, but it's really kind of hard to imagine. Like you've had this whole other life and you're, she's got to be a different person. I mean, you love him. So I, I'm ready in that next book to like hear the struggle of like him just treating her as Yesenia and her being like, hey, I'm fucking sold too. Like recognize what I've been through and where I am and the difference. Cause like you said, Devin, they cannot be like a hundred percent the same person. Absolutely. Jealousy still remains at the top line of his old, like crazy how jealous she is. It's the point of like, you're not even sure that you love this man, but you are so extremely jealous of him. How did you guys pronounce it? Safira? That's how I would say it. Safira, this character truly, I was like, girl, you need to exit now before you're beheaded because this couple is not effing around. They're not effing around. Isolde is like trying to go to Adrian, talk to him about what exactly is happening with Yesenia. Like, I discovered something. And she stumbles upon Safira in Adrian's room. And Safira's like, hmm, I've been here for three nights. Girly, what's up? And Isolde is like, (laughs) so she runs over to Adrian. This girl, Safira, is like, oh, I never said that, ends up getting jailed, basically, for three days. And they have... <laughs> I don't know how to describe this smut scene, but um, an illustration... Let's try. An illustration might just do it. Well, I'm glad that Jacqueline said something first, because when I said... When I saw, I impaled myself on him. Like... The visual just came to mind. I couldn't help it. I almost didn't draw it, because I was like, does, does he belong here? Anyway... 
But Jacqueline says, excuse me, is this a dagger pun? Um, and then I had to draw Olaf. He just belonged. I almost didn't. I didn't want to subject him to this. I didn't want to insult Olaf into a smut scene, but I just had to. So I drew him being impaled by the icicle saying, um, oh, look at that. I've been impaled (laughs) (laughs) from the scene in Frozen. It was on a replay in my mind. Just couldn't get it out. I'm so mad that I didn't get to read it with that. So I'm very jealous of you, Katie, because mostly I was like, it was like the start of the page. And I was like, we, I get that we're a stabby bunch. I get that. But like, I have yet to hear the analogy uh, during sex, (laughs) impaling, meaning anything other than actually stabbing someone. By the way, somehow you're better at drawing Olaf than you are at drawing emoji faces. Devin, how is that? Because I took time for this one. Usually my emojis are just a quick a quick sketch, a quick thing. But I was like, you know what? Olaf deserves better than that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up a reference photo and I'm gonna actually see what this looks like. <laughs> so speaking of impaling, <laughs> these two, Adrian and his old, are so stabby, so beheading. They are so quick to just chop off the head, heads will roll, like the next scene that happens here is Azold is poisoned in this banquet hall and someone literally ends up being beheaded. And at this point, I am truly like, I- I'm unfazed. I think I was speed reading at this point because some parts of this are like fever dreamish. And like the fact that I could speed read through someone just heads rolling. This was one of my favorite scenes. Just, I think it was like the very, towards the end of the chapter where Adrian was just like, I can unmake all of you and then is old is just finally sees him for what he is which is like oh he is a god like he created all of them and he's not afraid to chop off all of their heads for her that that is Maybe very have some feelings <laughs> <laughs> again with like kill them all for me i care not they're actually off with their heads i didn't mind is old being so stabby because at first when she was just stabbing everyone i was like okay this is this is a little much like she's a knife happy um but then thinking back about it like if a guy in any fantasy book was stabbing and beheading this often i wouldn't think twice about it so it's like you know what you go girl you stab them you behead them i'm not gonna judge you for it true <laughs> i had the same thing i was like at the beginning i was like she is truly just using this knife left and right left and right doesn't matter who it's landing in like it's not a problem but i was like if i were in a fantasy novel and there were men that were just touching me when they should not be touching me men that were like you do not belong on this throne i'd be like you know what stab i I think i would i would just be like you know what casual stab casual stab you dead you dead you gone (laughs) i think that's the character i'd be not to a major artery just a quick stab right and then you have your man come in and cut off a head (laughs) you know i'm not mad about it First of all, it's like, who is sharpening these blades? Because give them a raise, a raise immediately, because these are sharp, sharp instruments. But two, it's like equal opportunity beheading because we immediately move into the big one. And we don't need Adrian to do this one because our girl steps up and she does it in an epic way. She does. So at this point, we get a visit from dear old dad. And I thought this was going to end 
Actually, I, I don't even know how I thought this was going to end, but things were definitely off. I remember Devin like commenting like vibes, vibes are off. This is not right. Something is <laughs> something is off because the dad is coming for the coronation. Then this mist erupts in Celsirade, which is the village. And then the Anna's lover like burst in and is like <sighs> from her mouth, like spewing mist everywhere. And then there's, like, this Jellisac character who is, like, at the same time, like, I'm going to avenge my people. And, like, he's, like, it's old. You're going to die. And I'm, like, there's a miss and, like, other things going on. Like, there's literally so much going on. I'm, like, my brain was, like, unable to comprehend. And then, again, we get this is old and dad scene. It was chaos. It was pure chaos because... I was like, what's going to kill, who's what? Who's killing who with what? It was like a game of Clue. Because I was like, somebody is, has to die because there's a mist. There's someone avenging. And then her dad has some very weird dialogue coming here. But it was very much. And then it ended up being Isolde in the dining room with her sword. And did anyone else find this to be a bit like, I mean, I thought her dad, as soon as I knew that he knew things and didn't tell her, he slowly like his, um, his like, like how great he like I was he was falling apart in my eyes like slowly but this was a very quick like oh he is literally awful and she didn't stop to hesitate which I actually I admire I admire that she wasn't like oh but he's my dad like she was like no how dare you even consider that my death be the answer and I liked that because I honestly was like, oh, no, she's going to struggle with this. And she didn't. Yeah, I thought she for sure was going to struggle. But I mean, if she had to undeath anybody, I guess your old dad was the way to go. I wish it was Killian, but honestly, retweet. (laughs) But he was having some sort of like uh, redemption at the end. And I was like, "Uh, I don't think I'm here for this. Mm." No, after he what did he hit her or like did he grab her too hard in the beginning yes. i was like you're done you're done um so he was like okay in the end but i was like no you've already i was worried he was gonna get a redemption because she started giving him orders she's like take anna or what like do these things and he he listened to her so i was like oh no don't let this be someone who's like unwillingly becomes like a good subject to her which i was like girl this is your ex-husband there's no way <laughs> but i mean i'm not here for a redemption arc But, like, I was worried that that's where that was going. Not here for it. I will tell you what I was here for. There is a moment where, I think it's, like, right before the coronation, um, Isolde is, like, getting these visions of what is happening during the burning rites. And so we finally, like, get, like, the realization of, okay, yes, she is reincarnated. Yes, she is Yesenia. Yes, Yesenia and Adrian were in love before and we get literally the best quote in the book and I I melt I truly melt because this was said very early on in the book and it's like Adrian said half of it and is old like remembers like half of it and she says it in her head she doesn't say it out loud she's like "Mm, these are the words of somebody else and then it finally comes to fruition like during this vision and the quote is all the stars in the sky are not as bright as my love for you. And while, as I'm saying that alone, that seems very bland. Honestly, as I'm saying that, it sounds pretty bland. But in the book, I was unwell. Yeah, because it was referenced before. And we also know that like, okay, like I said, I'm okay with 
my main character taking a minute, but she still didn't technically after that line realize that she was Yusenia because she confronts we get a lot of it's kind of almost makeup sex after this because like she's like, who's Yesenia? Like he's like coming in here like, could you imagine the boldness of like you walking? It's like when your significant other treats cheats on you in a dream, you're like, who was that girl? And it's like, girl, that was you. <laughs> like poor Adrian. Like she does burst in and she was like, I know about Yesenia. And he's like, do you though? I don't think you do. I don't think you do. Doesn't really. he like say like, I'll tell you about it after we have sex? Yes. And she's like, okay, cool. She's like, okay. Good with me. He literally goes, let's make love first. And I'm literally like, uh-uh. Um, no. First of all, no. I need answers now. And Zoldry going to say, oh, we're going to finally make love? Because making love was a huge thing. Because they were not making love. They were just having sex. Okay, but, like, Adrian knows how to, like, immediately make me forget. Because this is when we get that line... I do not pray, but I begged for you. And honestly, if a guy said that after I wanted answers, I'd be like, you know what? Fair enough. What was I yeah. asking? What was the question? Was I incarnated, reincarnated? Oh, I don't know. Like, let's go. I don't know. <laughs> but then we get to, I guess, like what <laughs> finally, like we've said several times that we know confirmation that we know. I think we finally get to when the last one to know who is he sold? Yes, we finally get to the point where our MC finally realizes that she is Yesenia. She's lived uh, a past life with Adrian. And this is during um, the last mud scene of the book. And Isolde finally lets Adrian, quote unquote, bloodlet. And she says, take from me. And Adrian's like, are you sure? And she's like, absolutely do it and as he does he is pulling blood from her as one vampire shall she's just like flashback flashback eyes rolling to the back of her head this is so amazing and then just like getting all these flashbacks of oh my gosh i'm yesenia but before that we get a this is i think it's gonna be more important later but it felt very much like a throw-in moment of um and he asks her, i laugh she must have been so lustful and like take me at this point he's like Okay, but if I do this, if I die, you die. Like, we're, we're like, we are. And I remember, could you imagine, like, it's like, I really want you in the middle of the moment. And they're like, okay, but look, here's the thing. <laughs> to go to, like, the next base on this, in this moment, you're going to have to acknowledge the fact that, like, and I just feel like she, I don't blame her, but she was like, yeah, sure. Well, I think at this point, she's come to the realization that she really does have feelings for this person. And I think she's been trying this whole time to basically tell herself, no, I don't, no, I don't, no, I don't, because she wants to be, she wants to avenge her people. And she's realized, realized that, okay, these vampires, Adrian, these are actually my people. Like, this is the person I love. These are the people that care for me. And so when he asks her, like, you know, if you do this, like, if you die, I die. And she's like, you know what? This is, yeah, because you are my people. You are my home. And I think she's like finally come to this realization that this is it. And like politically, it doesn't make sense. Because I'm like, if you both die, your country is fucked. Like, I'm like, maybe we should like talk to, like, you know, talk to someone about it. Maybe have a discussion with the court, with the people. But it's okay. She really wanted it. No, but like it had to happen. But that's the thing is he was like, I'm being honest about this one thing, but I'm not being honest about the fact that when we do this, you'll actually wake up. So I thought it was like, 
it was like two truths and a lie. It's like, oh, this is what I'll tell you, but wait till you find out what happens next. So it had to happen. It's, I think, I guess it's part of the curse, so to speak. But let's be real. We've seen this. I mean, let's like fair recent. Like we've seen this before. I don't hate it because it's like, I hate when one character, like in a love story that you really love, I don't ever want one of them to die. Kill them both. Like don't, no one needs to, like both of them can die. It's Romeo and Juliet, like a classic. I don't want to live without you. So let's just do it. So question, is the is it the curse specific to them or is it everyone that is bloodletting? It's specific right? to them. Okay. From what I remember. Like he's like, this is unfortunately part of the part deal. Of the deal that he made with Dis. Which we also get some answers on Dis and just Let's talk about Dis. Let's talk about Dis <laughs> because the amount of Dis jokes, it was like, this is not a joke. This can't be it. Is this really happening? Like the annotations were unhinged. Every time I saw the word goddess, I was like, here we go. <laughs> first of all, I was like, this is like someone who's like got a terrible first name and like they should just go by their last name. And I was like, you at this point, we can either just call them goddess or call them dis because when you say goddess dis, I was like, did you stutter? What was that? Goddess dis. Got goddess dis. Maybe it's dis. What if so there was a TikTok that you shared, Jacqueline, of Scarlet going through some character. She was like, I got a question about some characters uh, and the pronunciation of their names. And I was so excited. I was like, oh, my God, this has to be in there, right? Everybody else that was in there was like, okay, I got that. I got that. I got that. That one I had a question about, but okay, at the end of the day, I got it right. No diss. No, no diss. <laughs> no and diss. I was like... Is it really dis? Because I was like, maybe it's dies, maybe it's die. I, I don't know. <laughs> so I will say we, I did need to, but while I was reading, again, I get kind of like got in the moment of like reading it and in my head, it just didn't flow. Like I stopped immediately when I saw it. And I do happen to know that the author loves mythology. So it's probably an actual goddess and there's probably a, a way to announce it. And it probably has more meaning sure. than we realize because she's very um learned in in mythology but unfortunately for me all it takes is the fact that it just doesn't roll off the tongue and i i'm now every time i just can't see past this i kind of love it my main question though of god is this because this i i mean at this point everything that was happening with the reincarnation about the bloodletting and her remembering i was like yes 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 this is all adding up in my head these are all theories that are coming true to me but the one thing i did not see because i truly thought i was like uh i was thinking that his old maid adrian a vampire so that he could come back in an, in another life or continue to live his life as you will so they could be together, right? I did not foresee Goddess Dis turning Adrian into a vampire and that whole thing of him, like, basically trading his life to Goddess Dis uh, to let him live in secret vent. Did you guys see that happening or am I alone? I don't know why I didn't question his origins. Like, I think I could have believed he was a vampire when she was mm-hmm. a witch just because I like it. I like I could ship that. But you're right. I didn't. I do wonder though. It, does this does this mean he is the first yeah. vampire? Did he? Okay, he's an original. Original. Love that series. He's an original. Okay, I I like this. I like that. I like. You need an origin. I mean, she gave us an origin story. This whole book is an origin story. Let's be real, guys. It is a. If this were like a bigger book, this would be one long first chapter. Like we just got started. For sure. Basically, we're wrapping up the book now. 
we get this crazy scene with um, Ravenia, Ravenia and Isolde. Um, and basically that like Ravenia has stolen the book of Dis. And basically at the end of the day, she ultimately gets away. Like that's the end of the book, if you will. But the most important thing to take away of this is that she stole the book of Dis. She gets away with this book. <laughs> the last page of the book, Isolde is like, oh, by the way, I'm pretty sure I wrote that book. It's of dark magic. And essentially that kind of magic can raise the dead. And I was like, oh shit. So here's the funny thing. It's like she she wrote it and then it's like she forgot it. And now it's like, if only she could remember. So I'm like questioning, like, it's like we need the book back, but like, or do we get to a situation where we're like, we just need her memories back because... I don't know. She's the key to literally all the things. So I I don't know if it's like, obviously, I think Ravinia is here to stay as our public enemy number one, because she's clearly working against them. But like, what's her end goal? That is my question. Like, what is her like? There's this whole thing of like, she was the only one that could fulfill Draco's like need or something like that. She was like the only one left at the end of the day. There's something about that. Like she... Like it could have been Yesenia, but Yesenia wasn't the one. So it fell on Ravina. I have a theory that she's working with the king that's holding Isolde's mother's people hostage because she was working with a king beforehand. I don't think she's a leader. I don't think she has that in her. I think she's like a right-hand man kind of gal. Um, And I don't know why he's keeping those people hostage. Like, I don't know what his end game is and I don't know what she's doing so I feel like somehow they're teamed up especially because the end of the book it seemed like they were like we're gonna get your mother's people out of there like that's where the next book was heading so I feel like there's a connection somehow I have no idea how but something's happening and then there's the traitor yes let's talk about that for a second so that is the other like truly big cliffhanger i thought we were gonna like wrap it up we are not that's continuing on definitely into the sequel so ravina was uh, knew about the bloodletting which leads us quote to believe that one of the core four if you will are traitors so let me ask you this guys (laughs) who are the core four do you think is the traitor is it Tanika, Anna, Soren, or Doric. Honestly, the fact that we don't really get literally anything from Tanika, this like whole book, makes that a convenient option because therefore someone, but it also makes it not the most like you need like a <gasps> moment. And if it's someone we didn't really hear from much, does is that give you that like, oh, I can't believe it's them? Not really. So you're either here to decide like who is the most satisfying betrayal. And I, I kind of wonder, and I have no theory, it's just gut, like about Anna. I was leaning towards Soren just because I love him so much. So I'm like an author would set you up to love someone who's going to betray you. And then also he's kind of shady. Like when um, Isolde sent him with the king, her dad, to get him out. How did they split up? How did the king get away from Soren? Like, what's Soren doing during the mist attack? And then also, Derek was confronting him. They were having, like, a heated argument about how Soren wasn't where he was supposed to be during the burning night. So he, like, went away. He, like, went somewhere. So I feel like Soren... I don't know. Like, I want to believe that the bad people have, like, something against Soren that's, like, forcing him to betray them. But, like, my gut is telling me... Soren, and it's gonna break my heart if it is. <laughs> Correct me 
Who is the one with all the guilt trip? Is it Duroc or is it Soren that, that like feels like it was all their fault? Okay, so I don't know about that, but I do know that Derek, at the very beginning when um, Zold sees Derek, she's like, that is the man that resp- was responsible for my mother's death. Is that true? I don't know. I am going back and forth of like, was he there by happenstance? Was he maybe trying to stop it when it happened? And she just like correlates him with being there and thinks that he's to blame for that. I'm not sure. But there's a lot to Derek that is very unforeseen, right? And of course, him and Soren are lovers in this. So if we get a lover's quarrel and one of them is the traitor, that will literally break me into pieces because I loved the story of Soren and Derek. I love Soren with my whole heart. I thought he was so amazing through this. However, to Jacqueline, your part about Anna possibly being the traitor, I could also see this being a huge possibility. Honest, there's not even any like receipts to show through this book, but I feel like something could happen in the sequel that could make that a possibility. Um, and then Tanika is like obviously the cop out, right? If he's the one that ends up being the traitor at the end of the day, like I'm just gonna be like, okay, well, that was just stupid. <laughs> It's got to be one of the other three, right? And mm, I don't know. I To me, I think it's between Anna and Soren. Like Derek, again, is also more like a cop out, but more plausible because he's inserted himself in these different scenarios. Again, the fire, the fight with Soren and Derek. But then there is this bonus POV with the very first chapter and Adrian is able to read minds, right? We haven't even talked about that. Adrian is able to read minds. <laughs> and it's crazy. We haven't even talked about it. He's able to freaking read minds. And there's this point in the POV where he reads Derek's mind and basically Derek is like, these are our enemies. We need to target them like right now, like they need to die. And so if he's able to read Derek's mind and Derek is thinking that, I don't know if Derek is going to to be thinking those things if he is the traitor. Yeah, how do you how do you fool someone who can read your mind? I think that's um that's going to be a tough one to get around. I, I thought there are some stipulations as to what all he can. It's not like Edward, he can't right. hear I don't everything. It's like when the emotions are high. Yeah, that I I think I think the reason I lean towards Anna is I feel like it's where her character is set up. Like she's it's either going to be Soren and it's going to be heartbreaking or it's going to be the start of a new villain arc because Anna's love is gone. Like it it the betrayal has already happened, so that doesn't make sense that she would necessarily do anything in retribution for the fact, but it does set up this storyline of someone who's a little unhinged and doesn't have has some issues to deal with. And so I think maybe that's why Anna, but I think Soren actually would make a lot of sense in terms of the fact that they have this full him and the main character have a very you could literally count out like all their good scenes. Like you see the trajectory, and that's the um betrayal that will hit hardest. So I agree with Devin. I I think that one is the one that if we go by the book, that makes a lot of sense. Agree. Well, well, time will tell because the sequel is officially coming out December 2022. Queen of Myths and Monsters and I personally cannot wait. The question, especially now that we know there is a sequel, I think the question we want to ask is, will we leave this series on red? Or will we continue it? I will be continuing because I 
I don't think I'm physically able to leave this one red. Like, I need to know. I'm pretty sure I just answered this question. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Plot twist. Just like a very much like, I think, I think it's, if you liked it at all, this left, this literally just kind of teed it up. I think Um, this is just the intro. I read this really fast. It was a good, it was a fast read for me. Likewise. I think I read it in a total of, obviously encountering, we all have very busy schedules. I think I read it in like a couple days, which is really crazy for me. Yeah, I think only a few days. You guys were, I was with you when I finished it. That's true. And I was trying to keep a straight face (laughs) the whole time. I was like, this is no big deal. This is fine. I'm fine. (laughs) As you guys are like sitting next to me, I'm like internally screaming. I'm like, play it cool. Well, I think we've literally covered every inch of this story. It has been so fun. I... I think it was a great book for our first episode. I know we've got some other worlds and some other characters to meet, but like we are so thankful for each of you listening and we're so excited you're here for the ride and we can't wait to chat more in the future. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Red Receipts podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode when we discuss the hot Fay love triangle from These Hollow Vows, available April 7th on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Until then, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at the Red Receipts podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.